time, weather, and highways pass. Road trip radio. Welcome to Road Trip Radio, the station that's a celebration of the entire nation. We certainly hope that you're out there enjoying this wonderful country of ours by listening along with your kids or your parents or your cat or your plants. I'm Pat Kelly. And I'm Caitlin Howden. And on today's episode of Road Trip Radio, we are celebrating Canada's newest and largest territory, Nunavut. Get to know Nunavut. Nunavut came into existence in 1999, when it officially separated from the Northwest Territories, although it has actually existed for millions of years. Nunavut is Canada's largest region and makes up 20% of the country's landmass. That's one-eighteenth of the moon's surface. You can fit over 2,500 New York cities inside of it. So if you're caught between the moon and New York City, you're actually in Nunavut. Nunavut is the birthplace of such Canadian inventions as the dog sled, the kayak, the igloo, and the parka. So, if an American asks you if all Canadians live in igloos, you can thank Nunavut and the American education system. And that's a little bit about a place we call Nunavut. Also on today's show, we learn about the Arctic Winter Games with a man known as Johnny Awesome. We come face-to-face with polar bears. We're going to take another quiz... And as always, we will check in with our roving reporter, Peter Oldring, who is in Nunavut. We have no idea what he's planning on doing up there, but uh, we'll find out. Uh, Peter, are you there? Yes, Pat. uh, I have you. uh, You have me. We have each other, but uh, let's not touch on that now. The connection is crisp, and I am here in Nunavut uh, enjoying uh, what could be described as a spectacular day in the far north. Well, fantastic. Uh, so what are you planning on doing up there? Well, Pat, as you know, as, as well as many of our road trip listeners, Canada, the country, uh, is one of the most uninhabited countries on Earth. There's vast swaths of the country where nobody actually lives. And so I thought it would be an interesting challenge to find here in Nunavut, perhaps the most uninhabited place in Canada. Yeah, but there are people that live in Nunavut, Peter. It's not totally uninhabited. Yes, of course, absolutely there are. But you have to remember, Nunavut is a very large territory. There are parts of this territory where, in fact, nobody lives. And it's my goal to get to some place where nobody lives to be in one of Canada's most uninhabited places. Okay, technically your challenge for today is to find nobody. That's right some place here where absolutely nobody is. Okay, well, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, Pete, but uh, we'll leave you to that challenge, and uh, we'll check in with you later in the show to uh, find out how it is going, finding Canada's most uninhabited place. Absolutely, Pat. Didn't mean to drop that scrambled Rubik's Cube in your think tank, but hopefully by the next time we talk, you'll be able to have at least one solid side of color on that mixed-up cube. All right. Thanks, Peter. You just made it more confusing. All right. Good stuff. Hey, hey, hey. If you're not doing anything else tonight, why not check out the Shy Radio Hour on Road Trip Radio? Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, I, was, I was wondering if you wanted to maybe start our radio show? Now? 
Um, oh, if you're not busy. No, I'm, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah? yeah okay. okay, cool. The Shy Radio Hour may take a while to get out of its shell. So what do you want to talk about? Oh, me? I don't, whatever you want to talk about is cool with me. But once the ice is broken, the hosts make awkward small talk like nobody's business. Pretty rainy today. It sure was. Yeah. Did you bring an umbrella? No. Oh. I brought two. Whoa. Their chemistry is undeniable. I like your glasses. Thanks. The topics are riveting. Hey, do you think plaid is a color? Yeah. Huh. And the hour just flies on by. Okay, so we are at our 14th minute of talking about yarn. Sorry, I hate to interrupt. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. 13th minute. What? Yeah, it's just the 13th minute. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Um, You're correct. I'm sorry. We are on our 13th minute. Now it's the 14th. Oh, well, look at that. We're back on track. It's the Shy Radio Hour on Road Trip Radio. Don't miss it or do. Either way, it's happening. It's now time for the Nunavut Community Calendar, brought to you by these crazy kids. Yeah! A warning, only one of these events is real. It's up to you to decide which one it is. In celebration of Canada 150, the Callowood Action Lab is hosting traditional tool-making workshops. Question, do you need tools to make tools? Tomorrow is Hug-A-Shrub Day. Residents of Nunavut are encouraged to head out and hug their favorite shrub. In two weeks, it's the Festival of Gum, where you can taste bubble gums and minty gums and see how they pair with fine cheeses. And that's the Road Trip Radio Community Calendar brought to you by these crazy community kids. And now, in conversation. Johnny Isaluk is an athlete who competed for over 20 years in the Northern Games. The Games are an important part of life in the North. They're played for fun and inspired by survival, and Johnny has won over 200 medals in the Games. He's also an advocate, actor, storyteller, drum dancer, and Canada's 150 ambassador from Nunavut. Johnny, tell us a little bit about what life is like in the North. Uh, it's very cool up there. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of it, we still live traditionally. So hunting is a big part of our culture because it's part of who we are. Once we stop doing it, it kind of takes part of our heart away, you know, like, and, and that's, and also if I don't do it, it's like denying the very existence of my mother, my grandmother. It's a way of life. What would you say is one of your favorite things about living in the North? I think it's the season, like winter is my favorite season and traveling all over the countryside by snowmobile and going places you wouldn't normally be able to get to in the summer or spring or fall. Is is the love of winter is uh, what inspired these Arctic Games? That and survival, physical survival, mental survival and, um, you know, just uh, stability because you need to be prepared all the time for the harsh conditions we live in. How many years have you been competing in the Arctic Games for? I competed for about 20 years. Whoa. Yeah, and I I won over 200 medals internationally and regionally, but it did take a lot of work, and I'm glad I did it. That's what kind of helped with my identity and 
pretty much why students called me Johnny Awesome, because it does inspire when you're inspired. You are known for something called a one-arm reach. Now, I've seen a photo of this, but could you please describe to me how this works? Uh, yeah, it's uh, so you balance on one hand and then you touch a target above you with the other hand and put your hand down before anything else. And this helps strengthen your upper body and also your agility because ultimately what it was for is to, when we're egg hunting on rock cliffs, could be up to 100 feet, we're grabbing eggs and putting them in our pouch and climbing and grabbing and whatever, rock climbing, basically. There's some areas where you can't use your footing. And so you have to push yourself up with your hand, grab the eggs above you with your other hand and put it in your pouch and then bring yourself back down. And that's, you know, that's all for survival. Um, Now, Johnny, we are currently reaching you in Stratford, Ontario, because you're about to do a play. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to be part of a play and it's called Breathing Hole. It's brand new and it's a neat story. I'm kind of new into movie, but I'm getting out there. You're new, but you also, didn't you just do a TV show? Yes, in uh, Croatia. So you do the Arctic Games up in Nunavut. You do plays in Stratford. You do TV shows in Croatia. Actually do everything. You do everything? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I love skydiving, snowboarding. I don't limit myself because even if I don't do it 100%, I try to do anything that interests me and keeps me busy like I'm a poet I'm a painter and you know I keep myself busy as much as I could because I I'm the only person who can limit myself and I don't limit myself I kind of do what I want (laughs) Johnny to wrap up you are not only a hunter you are a tool maker a fisher a scuba diver is there anything else that you can do um I could teach teachers, and that's what I'm going to do as soon as we're done talking. Well, then, Johnny, (laughs) we wish you all the best, and you are certainly an awesome man. Thank you so much. And uh, you're very awesome, too, Caitlin. Thank you very much. You're listening to Road Trip Radio. This is you doing quizzes on the open road with us, Sophia and Zoe, whales, tall tails, spuds, and buds. Let's hit the road. You want to go? Go. Let's go. All right. Okay. Kill. Fine. Let's hit the road. Yeah. Hey, Sophia, snow what's been on my mind? More snow puns? (laughs) Okay. What is it? One of the first things that people think of when they think about Canada is snow. And one of the snowiest places in Canada is Nunavut. Sure, the Arctic gets cold and dark during the winter, but so does much of Canada. Today, we're going to sort out the age-old question, which Arctic animal are you? You know, I've been wondering this for years now. I know you have. Let's take a stroll through Nunavut's beautiful landscape and check out the kingdom animalia scene. 
specifically the mammalia. Perfect opportunity to try out my new cold weather gear. The winter up here is snow joke. Oh, come on. No ifs, no ands, snow boots about it. Oh, Zoe. <laughs> Bundle up, partner. Let's do this thing. We'll tell you a little bit about each animal that we come across on our walk around Nunavut. And you'll shout out at your radio when you think you've found the animal that sounds most like you. We're starting in Cambridge Bay on the tundra. Here's the first animal. Is this you? Let me tell you, this one is not a solitary creature. Some might say they are the social butterflies of the north. And there are a lot of these in Nunavut. And actually, Zoe, there's over 750,000 of these in the territory. And they migrate together. Squad goals. Hashtag. Squad goals. Hashtag. Squad goals. <laughs> these creatures like to switch up their look pretty often. At least once a year. So in human terms, maybe you like looking fresh for the back-to-school season. We're looking at you, caribou. Caribou shed and regrow their antlers once a year. Out with the old and in with the new. Talk about reinventing yourself. Okay, let's keep moving on our walk, Zoe. Now we're in Grease Fjord. If you're like this animal, you might have an alpha personality. This animal is the king of the north. You think you have a big appetite for chicken dinners, BBQ nights, and ribs as far as the eye can see? Well, this animal is the world's largest carnivore found on land. Here's a bit of a reality check. Your eyes might be bigger than your stomach, but this stomach is way, way bigger. And if you're like this animal, you have a great sense of smell. Sometimes you might smell your neighbor's food cooking from across the road, yard, whatever. But that's chump change compared to this animal's natural olfactory know-how. They can smell their food from 16 kilometers away. That would be like you smelling your food from the other side of town, or depending on how big your town is, from a couple towns over. No dinner bell needed, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Did you guess it? It is a polar bear. These beauties can weigh up to 1,600 pounds when fully grown. And by the way, did you know a polar bear's fur isn't white, it's clear? And its skin is actually black. The more you know. Our next animal might be called the hipster of the north, with its shaggy, bearded features. So in your terms, you might always like to be ahead of the trend. But don't be fooled by their chic look. These animals go way back. Really far back, actually. Back to the Pleistocene Ice Age, in fact. Okay, that's hard to beat. If you're like this animal, you might be an old soul. These animals migrated to Nunavut alongside the now-extinct woolly mammoth. Are you protective of your crew? Well, this animal is. When they're threatened, a group will rearrange into a circle with their sharp horns facing outward. Did you guess? We're looking at muskox. Now, let's head over to the water in Resolute to see some ocean-dwelling creatures. Okay, this one is pretty unique looking. If you have a unique feature or a special birthmark, this could be like you. It kind of looks like a unicorn. I didn't know unicorns could swim. If you travel with a big posse, this could be you. Because this animal usually travels in pods from about 4 to 20 members. You got fins for feet, no belly flopper, but a skilled hop, skip, and plunger. This animal can dive as deep as one and a half kilometers. Did you guess? The narwhal is a unique-looking whale that lives in the Arctic waters year-round. Their long spiraled tusks look like unicorn horns and can be up to three meters long. If you like a good mystery, check this out. The purpose of the tusk remains a scientific mystery. Well, I guess we finally figured out the mystery. I'm definitely a narwhal. That explains a lot. And we're back on Road Trip Radio. I'm Pat Kelly, and I'm here with my co-host, Caitlin Howden. And today's episode is all about Nunavut. 
And right now, it's time for the Nunavut Inukshuk Report. On Baffin Island, there's one that looks like a little guy. On James Bay, there's one that looks like a big old fella. In Iqaluit, there's one that's about yay big, looks like a little girl. And in Rankin Inlet, there's that one that looks like a jolly snowman made of rocks. By all accounts, Inukshuks are looking good. This has been the Inukshuk Report. Thanks, Caitlin. And now let's check in with our roving reporter, Peter Oldring, who is in Nunavut. Uh, and he's attempting to find the most uninhabited place in all of Canada, a tall order, I'm sure. Uh, Peter, are you there? How's it going? Yes. Hi, Pat. How are you? Uh, doing very well. Why are we whispering? Uh, sorry, I just, I believe I'm very close to being somewhere where there's absolutely nobody around. And I, I just want to keep my tone down so that I'm able to hear if, in fact, there are people here, then I'll I'll know I'm not close to where I need to be. Pete, a quick question for you. How do you know if you've found Canada's most uninhabited place? It's a sense. It's a feeling. Uh, it's not science. Uh, but, you know, I can tell you this much. When you do get to that place, it's kind of like the absolute inverse of the most populated city. I, I'm not sure I follow. Yes, I know. It is, it's a hard line of logic to tell, but that's the challenge I've been tasked with, and I think I'm close to being nowhere. So you're looking for a place with millions and millions of nobodies. That's right. A million times less people than one. Okay, so have you found that place? I think I'm getting... Oh, no. No, never mind. I just heard someone. Oh, man. Nope. There's people here. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess I should have known. I'm I'm really... I'm still in a Iqaluit, so there's a lot of houses. I just... That makes sense. Okay, no. No, never mind. Feels like you need to go further out into the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I was kind of hoping this might be it, but now there's, of course, there's people here. I mean, I'm I'm actually right in front of a grocery store. All right, never mind. Yeah, I'm going to have to get back in the car and, I guess, head north, I suppose. All right, well, best of luck. We'll check in later, and uh, we'll see how this goes, you finding the most uninhabited place. Good luck. Honestly, I think for that to work, I'm I'm going to have to walk further away from the car. All right, buddy, thanks. Take care. Yeah, yeah, bye. In Canada's newest territory, there are a lot of polar bears that can get very close to communities. The Inuit, meaning the people in their language, have some incredible stories of encounters with polar bears. Here is road trip radio correspondent Jordan Koenig of Iqaluit with some of those tales. Polar bears are the toughest and top predators in the Arctic and maybe even all of North America. And every year just before Halloween, the biggest bears of the mall start migrating further north towards the sea ice. They wait for the ice to freeze so that they can hunt seals. And it is during this time when Inuit and polar bears meet up. Madeleine Alakarelak of Resolu Bay was only four years old when she came face to face with her first polar bear. She was walking home from church with her family. Mary Thomas, he was about seven steps ahead of me, and I heard her scream. She yelled, and she started racing towards me. Nanualuk, there's a polar bear. I looked at her, I froze, and she ran past me, and I slipped on a patch of ice. And just as she yelled that, 
I heard my mother run out from my grandmother's house. Panik, my girl, get up. And the polar bear was right there, right, right. We, we looked at each other. I was stunned. And of course it's dark and I was on my knees and Atsak ran past me towards my grandmother's house and the polar bear was sniffing for food. And it's unfortunate that these scary beasts come right into the community, but it's very fortunate that as kids we were never eaten alive <laughs> because they're huge and they're hungry. So here I am on my knees and my mother screaming, Panik, get up, get up. I was slipping, I couldn't get up, I was panicking and my mother ran, like she ran to me because I couldn't get up and there's a polar bear. If the, she doesn't get me, the polar bear is going to get me. Oh, the embrace when she came and hugged me, the way she embraced me, I knew how special it was to be in my mother's arms. And there's the polar bear still behind me. <laughs> I had never been so happy to hear a snowmobile sound in my life. They must have heard that there was a polar bear in town because we have people watching out for the community all the time. They're called the polar bear monitors and some of our communities have them. And as as soon as I ran into my mother's arms, I could hear a snow machine chase it away. Liu Ikakek is one of those monitors. He guards the community of Akved, which is on the shore of Hudson Bay in western Nunavut. Ikakek says his scariest moment came one cold winter night in November when he went back out to look for his missing light. I spotted uh, my spotlight. So I turned around and I had to go downhill, um, like kind of like a slope, and that slope was like really narrow, just enough for the skidoo to, to go on. And by the time I got to the, just before I got to the very bottom, I noticed, um, like I noticed a polar bear head pop right in front of me. And I wasn't going very fast, like probably maybe 15 kilometers, like going down. So I applied the brake, and by the time I stopped, I was right at the bear. I missed him like just inches. And so the bear stood up and I had nowhere to go because the bear was right in front of my skidoo. And the bear was standing on his hind legs and I was very lucky that the bear didn't jump on me. Instead of jumping on me, the bear decided to uh, run away from me. So that was um, the closest call because I bumped my, like I even hit the bear on my front of my skidoo. There are roughly 17,000 polar bears in Nunavut. Inuit hunt a limited number of them for survival. The hunters use every part of the animals they catch, and sometimes they catch more than they are expecting. Here's a hunting story from Rain Can Inlet with a twist. My Atarachia, he had a polar bear for uh, as his pet. When it got older, it had to go into the Arctic. How did he get the cub as a pet? His dad shot it, and then his dad didn't know there was a cub. Your Atatachak's father, your grandpa's dad, shot the mother? Yeah. And didn't know there was a cub, so he kept it? Yeah. How long did he have it for? I don't know. Inuit believe that animals have spirits, and they are taught as children to respect them. 
I heard in Inuktitut that if you talk about, uh, if you say something mean about a polar bear, it could hear, hear you for like a mile and it could attack. Also, if you you're like if you really really want to see an animal, uh, it'll come up behind you unexpectedly. That's what the elders around me would tell me whenever I've been out hunting. That if you want to see a certain animal, it would come to you uh, unexpectedly, and you'd be caught off guard. So what could you do if you get caught off guard? Remember Madeline? She has a trick. She was told by Inuit elders never to turn your back on the bear. I've since learned that you don't turn your back on polar bear, but it's so hard not to when instinctively you need to run away. You need to make loud noises, but if you're that close, I heard punch them in the snout. But this four-year-old probably had no chance against this gigantic hungry bear. This is Jordan Kunni reporting from Iqaluit, Nunavut. For photos from this story, head to roadtripradio.ca. Road Trip Radio. Road Trip Radio is made possible with the support of our sponsors. Front Packs, Backpacks for Your Front, $14 Yogurt, and Canadian Prime Minister Soap. Are you tired of the same old smelling soaps? Aloe vera again? Boring. Do you want a little intrigue in your life? I know I do. And are you a bit of a Canadian political history buff? <laughs> Who isn't? Then do we have a soap for you. It's the Canadian Prime Minister Soaps. Each one of the soaps in this collection captures the authentic scent of that great man, or in one case, great woman. Mmm, <laughs> is that Laurier? You've got it. <laughs> oh, there's no mistaking Diefenbaker. Indeed there isn't. People often wonder, how did we do it? The living prime ministers are easy. We simply walked up behind them and took a big whiff. And for the prime ministers who are no longer with us? That process is extremely scientific and time-consuming. But the short answer is, we guessed. You guess? Sure. Take Johnny McDonald, for instance. We know he was born in Scotland, so his soap smells like haggis and musty killed. Hard to argue that. Tupper smells like cinnamon. Pearson, like cigars. And Borden smells like a graying mustache. I can't wait to scrub myself in those odors. Hold on. What does Justin's soap smell like? I had a feeling you were going to ask me that. Let me guess. He smells like success. Don't be an idiot. No one knows what success smells like. Yeah, Don. Don't ruin this for me. Sorry. It's okay, Don. Trudeau is our first ever all-dressed soap. He smells a little like all of the prime ministers mixed in one, as well as ketchup chips. Mm. Delicious. Canadian Prime Minister's Soap. We vote that you'll love them.
brought to you by You're listening to Road Trip Radio. What you are about to hear is true. These events occurred a few years ago in the Canadian wilderness. Some names have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Last time on the Spaghetti Bandit. The bandit made a dramatic 2 a.m. getaway from the cabins of Mossy Point in his yellow kayak in a gale force storm. No one knew if he was dead or alive. I'm Grant Lawrence, and this is the story of the Spaghetti Bandit. Chapter 8 The Sightings. As summer burst upon the Canadian wilderness, it had been a year since anyone had actually laid eyes on the Spaghetti Bandit. People started wondering if he was a ghost. Then, one night in July, a farmer was woken up by his dogs barking loudly at around 4 a.m. When the farmer shone his flashlight beam down onto his dock in the pale morning light, he saw a tall, thin figure with long black hair, scrambling to get into a yellow kayak. The Spaghetti Bandit was back. As summer progressed, the sightings became more frequent. Once, the owner of a local kayak touring company found the yellow kayak hidden in the logs along the shore near a trail that led to town. Another time, a boater reported seeing a long-haired skinny man armed with a rifle along the shoreline near an ancient Aboriginal village site. The RCMP and Eric, that First Nations guardian who was involved in the stakeout, responded as quickly as they could. They followed his footprints up a trail and into the woods. Not knowing what they'd faced and hearing about a rifle, they drew their guns. The RCMP had their revolvers, and Eric had a shotgun. The bandit was once again camped out where an old village site once stood, but he was nowhere to be found. It left Eric feeling both infuriated and eerie. How did the bandit know where First Nations sites were? It wasn't obvious. Most were hidden. Why was he here? They found a lean-to of sawed-off four-inch rounders. On the forest floor, under the lean-to, was a blue crumpled sleeping bag and the rifle and many of the supplies that the bandit had stolen over the summer, including a cache of canned food, most of which the RCMP seized. But once again, no sign of the bandit, even though Eric, tightly gripping his shotgun, again sensed that he was close. Late that summer, there was another report. This one, even more troubling. The Spaghetti Bandit was going bush. For the next installment of the Spaghetti Bandit, head to the Northwest Territories episode. To start the story from the beginning, jump back to BC. Well, we've 
just about run out of time here on another episode of Road Trip Radio. But before we go, I have just found out that Caitlin Howden, co-host extraordinaire, has been keeping a secret from us all day long, and that is that she can speak Inuktitut. Well, Pat, I don't know if I speak uh, fluent Inuktitut, but I can tell you what my name is. Okay. So ask me what my name is by saying Kinovi. Kinovi. And I say Caitlin Ovunga. And then I say Kinovi back to you. Uh, Pat Uvuna. Uvunga. Uvunga. Yeah. Pat Uvunga. There you go. Well, thanks very much, Caitlin. Oh, it's my pleasure, Pat. Now it's time to check in with Peter Oldring, who is uh, our roving reporter and is in Nunavut as we speak. Peter's trying to find the most uninhabited place in Canada, and we're going to check in to see how that's going. Uh, Peter, are you there? How are you, Pat? Uh, doing great. Uh, so how's it going? Absolutely fantastic. A bit of a celebration going on over here uh, because I believe I have found Canada's most uninhabited place. There is absolutely not a human here, and that is Bathurst Harbor in Nunavut. You can absolutely confirm that there's no one there. Absolutely. I can promise you there are no people here. Uh, Nobody. This is completely uninhabited. Uh, Right where I'm standing is nobody. Pete, uh, that's fantastic that you found such a remote place. Um, I I don't want to necessarily rain on your celebration too much, but if you're there, technically you've inhabited the place now that there's a person there, right? I'm afraid I don't follow. Well, I'm just saying it's it's impossible for a place to be uninhabited if a person's there and you're there. So technically, everywhere you go will be inhabited. Why would you do that? Well, I'm just pointing it out. Why would you out. do that? Why would you, why would you take this from me? Well, technically, Gosh. I mean, technically, I should have told you earlier in the program that your logic was flawed. Unbelievable. But... Yes, you should have told me earlier. I've been all, oh, gosh. Oh, if only I could be where I wasn't. You should, you should still be very proud of yourself. What an accomplishment to travel to such a remote place uh, where there are no people. Uh, you did a great job. Well, all right. I certainly do appreciate the congratulations. Uh, so it's true, uh, although it is uninhabited in my mind, uh, currently the population of Bathurst Harbor is one. And that one person is a great guy. Never forget that. Appreciate it, Pat. Flattery gets you everywhere. You take care, peep. You take care, too. Bye-bye. That's about all the time we have left for Road Trip Radio. Thanks for listening. We leave you today with the sounds of the majestic narwhal sharpening its long tusk. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. Road Trip Radio has been made possible by the Government of Canada and is produced by Kelly and Kelly Creative and Sumo Audio. Research by Matt Masters, Janice Tufford, and Leslie Johnson. With contributions by Dave Shumka, Brian Short, Paul Tedeschini, Sophia LePage, Zoe Robertson, Grant Lawrence, Jen Bohm, Naomi Sneekis, Matt Barham, Mike Balazzo, Sandy Jobin Bevins, and the Road Trip Radio kids from Arts Umbrella in Vancouver. Keep listening to Road Trip Radio, broadcasting 24 hours a day.